Hey, good morning, church. It's so good to see you guys in the house of the Lord. Are you all excited to be here? Let's stand up and put our hands together. We're going to worship the Lord. I know it's a little bit early. I'm, I know it's early, but it is time to worship. And so we are going to figure out what we're going to do here for a second. But man, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We just thank you for how good you are, for all the good things that you have done, for the freedom that we have to worship you this morning, and for the amazing grace and love that you have given us. Thank you, Lord, for your freedom. We're here to worship in your name. We pray, amen.
here because you know you have freedom in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 3.18 that the word of the God, his truth is your freedom. Because of his truth, we are free. And because of what he's done for us and what he continues to do, we stand here and give him praise and honor and glory. Lord, you move mountains for us. You make a way where there is no way. And you will do it again and again and again because you are faithful. And we thank you so much for that, Lord. Would you do it again? Would you do it again? Would you do it again?
Would you just come in this place, open our hearts, minds, and souls so that we can hear from you and know the victory that awaits us. Let us hear your victory. Let us walk out in your spirit, your love, and your grace.
Heavenly Father, there really is nothing like your presence, God. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for meeting us here where you're, where we're at, God. And thank you so much for meeting us here and not letting us stay where we're at, God, because we know that there's nothing more transformative than your spirit, God. There's nothing like your presence, nothing like your power that can transform and change lives in the name of Jesus, God. Thank you so much for being here this morning, God, with us as we come together to worship you, Lord. And we pray that you continue to move in us, God, that we as your people align ourselves with you and continue seeking you out, God, and we make every place we go a place of worship in the name of Jesus, God. We thank you and we praise you for all that you are, God, for all that you're doing. It is in your precious and holy name we pray, God. Amen and amen. Church, why don't we lift up a shout of praise? Isn't God good? Amen, amen. Hey, church, let's take a moment and greet each other as worship comes to an end this morning. All right, all right. How are you guys doing, church? Still greeting, still meeting people? Alive and well, I see, huh? All right. Well, before we get started with anything else today, church, we got a couple of announcements for you guys as our extroverts make their ways to their seats finally. <laughs> um, so, do we got any men in the house? Any men here at New Beginnings this morning? Come on. Come on. There you are, men. Gentlemen. As you guys know, we've been doing men's breakfasts for a while, right? And we've got another one of those coming up, but this one's going to be a little bit different. And we are so excited on Saturday, June 11th at 7.30 a.m. I know it's bright and early, but all of us, all of us manly men got our coffee, so we're good, right? Um, 7.30 a.m. on Saturday, we'll be partnering with Teen Challenge for our men's breakfast and work day. We'll be uh, linking arms with Teen Challenge once again to serve uh, and just give back to all that they've been doing. And we are so excited for that. So again, men, that's going to be this Saturday at 7.30 a.m. over in Tijeras. And we are so excited for that. So again, please mark your calendars. And we are very excited for that men's breakfast. And also that same Saturday, if there's any fathers in the room, it's going to be a pretty busy day because it's also NB Kids Pool Party Day. And we are so excited about that. If you have kids at home, if you are a parent of some youngsters, um, we have a pool party hosted by New Beginnings Kids at New Beginnings Kids at Rio Grande Pool. That's the one by the zoo, not not like the school. Um, and so we're doing a pre. Uh, a, pool party. It's a free event, and we are so excited about that also this Saturday from 5 to 7. And you can register for that online at nbcabq.com forward slash events. Or if you have our NBCABQ app, you can also um, register on there. If you have any questions about this pool party or men's breakfast and any of these things, you can by all means reach out to me, reach out to Pastor Richard, Pastor Mike, and Jessica also is our point person for this pool party, so you can reach out to her. She's doing a fantastic job with everybody's kids next door right now, and so again, we're really excited for this event on Saturday. And also, um, next week, uh, Sunday, is, you know, Sunday. We do church here on Sundays, as you guys know. And uh, as you know, we've been talking about camp and stuff like that. We are gearing up to get ready to go to camp. We've got, I think, 93 
people that we are taking with us this year. And we are so excited about that. And if you are one of those 93 or the parent of one of those 93, uh, we are having a mandatory camp meeting to discuss, you know, things to bring stuff uh, to camp, uh, what the expectations are, the rules, uh, things like that. The, all the things that you need to know about camp we will be discussing. That's going to be uh, this coming Sunday. That'll be the 12th after second service at 1230 in the youth sanctuary. So we'll be meeting in there. Any of you uh, campers and parents of campers, please uh, mark your calendar for that next Sunday after second service youth sanctuary um, mandatory camp meeting. And other than that, I believe that is all of our announcements. Church, we just want to give you another big thank you uh, just for your continuous faithfulness with uh, tithes and offerings. Uh, as you know, we have our tithing boxes at all four corners of the sanctuary. Here we have text to give, NBCABQ forward, nbcabq.com forward slash give. And once again, also our NBCABQ app. If you want to stay plugged in with all these things going on here in the life of our church, please check out our website, nbcabq.com. Check out our app, nbcabq. Or feel free to stop by the info booth out in the mall. We got plenty of handouts, flyers. If you like the physical paper, we got some of that for you ready out in the mall. And so church, uh, without further ado, Pastor Richard's been in this series on healthy boundaries, and we are so excited to hear him come speak on positive living this morning. So won't you welcome Pastor Richard to the stage this morning. I don't know what I did this morning, but my, I think I pulled my uh, muscle on my leg, man, and I'm like, ugh, I can't even walk. If you are a youth from 6th grade to 12th grade, be dismissed with Brother Dave. They're going to go to the worship service for the youth, and uh, you're welcome to leave at this time to do that. Guys, I really believe that as Christians, we are supposed to be some of the most positive people on earth. I believe we're supposed to be the temperature changers. We're supposed to be the thermostat that sets the atmosphere for people to really encourage people, to really motivate people, to challenge people, to really be that people that draws people to Christ. Studies have shown that optimistic people live longer. They're happier and more fulfilled. I really believe that New Beginnings Church is a positive church. And I don't know if you've ever met people that they look like they've been sucking on the lime all morning. But man, they're just, it's like, they do not look like an attractive Christian of someone that, please come to Jesus, look what it does to you. Man, it's like, we are supposed to be the world changers. We're supposed to be those that, that draw people. We're supposed to have a sweet aroma about us. That people smell love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control oozing out of you. The fruit of the Spirit. And so I want to talk about positive living. Because we have a hope. We have a great hope. I'm going to be in the book of Romans chapter 8. We're going to go through the entire chapter, 8 of 39 verses. But we're not going to go verse by verse, but we're going to cover that. Because it has so many truths in there and, and, and steps that I hope that you're going to see to really launch you out to be a positive uh, liver, to be a positive Christian. You see, we call ourselves Christians, but you know what? The word Christians isn't used in the Bible very much. And very honestly, nowadays, it's hard to tell and spot a Christian. 
Because everyone says they're a Christian, but they live like the devil. Everyone, they, they're living in a way that doesn't glorify God. It doesn't glorify and bring glory to his name. I mean, Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief purposes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, to give you a life in abundance, to give you a life that's full, a full life. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we really understand how to do that today. To, Lord, live out a positive life. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 1. And the, the key phrase he's talking about constantly is, he's talking about in Christ. Paul mentions in the New Testament, in Christ, 164 times. Because he's talking about what it looks like to live in Christ. What it looks like to be a follower of Christ. What it looks like to be filled with his spirit and to live it out in such a manner that you truly bring glory to God and it draws people to Christ because he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so we want to lift him up. And the very first thing I want to say is that it's possible to live a positive life without condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. He says there's no condemnation. He set you free. He's forgiven you. He's transformed you. He's completely changed you. He's done something in your life that he has set you free so that you don't have to live under that condemning spirit that continue to tell you you're no good for nothing. God's angry at you. God wants to get you. God wants to zap you because that's the furthest thing from the truth. God loves you. And he demonstrated that love in such a manner that he died for our sins. He totally, radically set us free. And he says that I have died for you. I love you. I've called you into myself. Yet we live under this cloud of condemnation so many times. And we think God's angry at us. Don't you understand that Jesus has forgiven us? We've been set free. I think a lot of people have heard the verse, John three sixteen that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But we fail to read 17 and 18. In verse 17, it says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. He didn't come to judge us, but to save the world through him. Now look what he says in verse 18. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not belong, uh, believe in him has already been judged and uh, for not believing in God's one and only son. So see, when we choose not to believe, we're bringing judgment upon ourselves. We're choosing that judgment. We're choosing death over life. We're choosing hell over heaven. We're choosing to be sinners instead of saints. Because he takes away the condemnation. He takes away the, the, the condemnation that you feel because sometimes the devil tries to tell you you're not worthy. And other times people try to tell you you're not worthy. Some people just think it's their job. It's my job to keep you humble. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Whose job is it to keep you humble? 
Whose jaws is it to keep you from being so non-judgmental? You walk around with your nose so high up in the air, you can't even smell yourself. It's like, man, what's wrong with us? There is no condemnation. I've been set free. I'm not that anymore. You can hurl out any name you want at me, but guess what? I'm a child of the king. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I am the first and not the last. I am the head and not the tail. I am God's chosen. And we need to live like that. I believe that New Beginnings Church tries to lift people up and not beat them down. Oh, that doesn't mean everyone does it. Sometimes people walk in here and they have this attitude, but God gets a hold of them and God transforms them and turns them around. Amen? That's why we trust in the Lord. There's no condemnation. So we can live a positive life without condemnation. Second thing I want to say, that it's possible to live a positive life without domination. Domination. Where that sin dominates you, that, that mindset dominates you. It just beats you down. It, it doesn't allow you to rise up. It doesn't allow you to think new ways. It doesn't allow you to change your mind. He says, by the renewing of your mind, but the devil keeps saying, there's nothing new about you. You're just a loser. I don't even know who told you you're free. And the Lord said, we're free. Look at verse 2. We're in Romans 8, verse 2. And because you belong to him, to you belong to Jesus, because you're in Christ, because you're his child, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you. It's freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Thank you, Jesus. That alone ought to make you be a positive liver. I live positively because God has transformed my life. I live positive because he has taken away the condemnation. I don't have to live under that cloud anymore. I don't have to be dominated by no thinking, stinking, no good for nothing thinking. Where it destroys me. And it reminds me that I used to be a sinner. But man, I got to remind the devil that he lost and he loses. And in the end, we go to glory and he goes to hell. The fact of the matter is, I don't have to be controlled by anything except God. Did you hear that? I don't have to be controlled by anything. So my question to you is, is are you living free? Have you turned control of your life over to God? Have you given him reins over your life? Have you given him the throne of your heart? Have you gotten off the throne of your heart and said, I'm not going to call the shots anymore. Lord, you could take the throne of my heart. You could live for your glory in my life. Father God, shine. What's controlling you in your life? What or who is controlling you? Let me tell you what, whatever you think about nonstop, whatever you think about all the time, what you think about the most is what's controlling you. So what's controlling you? What is it that's holding you? What is it that's got you? What is it that just doesn't let you go? What is it that thing that just dominates you? Because you know what? The Bible says we're not dominated by anything except the Lord. Jump down to verse 5. We're in Romans 8, verse 5. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. 
So hear me. He's saying if you're dominated by your sinful thoughts and you're dominated by the whole, the, the, the spirit of lust and, 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 and constant desire for pleasuring yourself and to constant desire to feeding yourself and your sinful nature, let me tell you something. You are dominated because you have not been set free. But the Holy Spirit, if you give him control of your life, man, he transforms you. Today's Pentecost Sunday. You know what Pentecost Sunday happened? God had said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He ascended into heaven and he said, you guys pray and the Holy Spirit will come upon you. They didn't understand what that meant. So they had gone into this upper room because they were in hiding. They were hiding out and they were in the upper room and they were praying. And all of a sudden it said that the doors and the windows opened up and a rushing wind came. Let me tell you something. You cannot see the, the wind but you could see the results of it. And a rushing wind came in. The Spirit of God breathed upon them and, and, and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they went from hiding to going public and started preaching the Word of God. And that day, 3,000 people came to Jesus Christ. You see, the Holy Spirit controls our life and when we give Him control of our life, it says we are controlled by the Holy Spirit. We think about things that please the Spirit. So when you're totally controlled by the spirit of the living God, you start doing things and thinking things and talking and walking as if you are being controlled by the holiness of God and you're not living and walking in your old filth again because you've been transformed. You've been transformed. You're no longer dominated. You're no longer condemned. And we're into the third thing I want to say, that it's possible to live a positive life without desperation. Without desperation. Without being freaked out. Without being so desperate that you're going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You have no hope. You're a hopeless person. God didn't call us to be hopeless people. He gave us hope. Just the passages we read, you should already be going, yeah, Lord. I don't have to be condemned anymore. There's no condemnation because I'm in Christ. Lord, I'm not dominated anymore. And Lord, not only am I not dominated, I'm not desperate anymore. God, you've taken away the desperation. Look, we're in Romans 8. Look at verse 18 and 19. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Man, he's going to reveal who his children really are. Because there's imposters, amen? There's fakes. There's people that know how to say hallelujah. They could jump real high, but when they land, they walk really crooked. Amen? Man, it's like, where are we? Where are people of hope? That means, you know what? I have hope to hold on to. He says, man, right there he says, he goes, what we suffer suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that we're going to receive. Man, he talks about two amazing things to be hopeful for. He jumps jumps down to verse 23. He said, and we believers also groan. No, we're Christians and we're human beings. I am a spiritual being that's already living eternally. My spirit is living free right now. But my flesh continues to suffer. 
My flesh sometimes groans. I hurt emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. My attitude, my motive, my conduct, it doesn't always align itself. And, and I, I struggle. And in that struggle, we groan. We go, man. But we're positive. I might be hurting, but I know my God is going to see me through. I know that I might be hurting, but all things are possible to those that believe. I know what's impossible for man is possible for God. You see, we have hope. Verse 23. We believers, as believers, we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us full our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Man, it's like, God, I can't, God, you're just so good. You gave me so much here on earth. But man, there's all this awaiting me. God, it's so, man, it's so hope that ought to just make you shout. It ought to make you so positive. Say, yes, I am positive because my God is able. My God can do it. Man, He's he says right there. He's given us the Holy Spirit as a foretaste. He's like, he's like Costco and Sam's Club. Would you like a sample? Would you like a foretaste of the cheese you're going to fall in love with? Oh my gosh, this cheese is delicious. It's only a foretaste of glory divine. Just go to door number two and we're selling it right now. It's on special. Oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, bless and assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Oh, yes, he is. He's just a taste of what lies ahead. Are you kidding me? What he's given me now, it's a million times greater when we get the glory. Man, if that doesn't just motivate you, you're dead. If that doesn't set you on fire, your wood is wet. He doesn't dominate us anymore. We've been set free. No condemnation. There's no domination. There's no desperation. Because we have hope, verse 26 and 27. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Haven't you ever been there? I don't even know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us. With groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us, believers, in harmony with God's own will. He's saying, when we're going, God, I can't believe we want to pray, God. He goes, I understand. I got them covered, too. I know your children are left gutter. I know your wife's weird. Your husband's going to come back. I know you don't have money right now, but I'll take care of everything. He knows how to interpret that. The Holy Spirit pleads for us. He intercedes for us. 
because the Father knows the hearts of those who have the Spirit. We have hope. We're not a people of desperation. We're not a people that are just floating around. We've got Jesus. We've got hope. He freed us from the condemnation and the domination and the desperation. And it brings the fourth thing, it's possible to live a positive life without miscalculation. Haven't you ever miscalculated your life? You set your, you set your mark out there. You said, man, going to the chapel and I'm gonna get married. And you walked up the aisle and it totally didn't turn out like you calculated. It was a miscalculation. You married an idiot. You never should have married him. Never should have married her. Everyone warned you, even the Spirit of God. But no, you miscalculated your life. You miscalculated your finances. You miscalculated your relationship. You miscalculated your entertainment. You miscalculated what you do in life. Your miscalculation can turn into God's glory. Look at verse 28 and 29. And we know, say, and we know. Say it, and we know. And we know, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance. He knew us. He chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among them. He chose them. Thank you, brother. Keeping me from going off the edge. <laughs> he said, pastor's going to take a note. Okay, I'm on this one. Okay. And he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen, verse 30, and having chosen them, so he chose us, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them. So he chose us, he called us, and he gave us right standing with him. And having given us right standing, he gave them his glory. So he has chosen us, he has called us, he has given us, and he has shared his glory with us. Man, God has a purpose for our problems. When your problem is released and turned over to God and you turn your problems over to the Lord, he can turn all things together for good. He can turn things around. He can can recalculate your miscalculation. So when you mess up your life, he can straighten up your life. When you made a mess out of it, he can clean it up and make a blessing out of it. God can do the things that you and I cannot. You see, he could do it. And that's why it says, and we know, and we know, and we know. This is hope. This is a promise. This is a stance we could take. Because God could turn our sins around into his glory. I mean, think about it. Your life was all messed up. Some of you were like messed up. And some of you were just messed up. You know what I'm talking about. Some of us were so far off the chart. Everyone said it's too late for them. But God said, as long as you got breath in your bones, in your life, in your lungs, 
You could cry out to me and I'll turn your miscalculation into a calculated blessing because your problems will become my glory. That takes me to the next thing. It is possible to live a positive life without intimidation. Without intimidation. The devil comes to intimidate us, doesn't he? He comes up and he stands right in our face. He goes, you're a worthless piece of garbage. You'll never amount to anything. You are a loser with a capital L. You are a loser. You are just trash. I don't even know how they have you teaching or leading or doing anything at this church. They don't know anything about you, and you feel all intimidated. You feel all messed up. You feel, but look at verse 31. We're in Romans 8, 31. But what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God be for us, who can ever be against us? Man, that ought to make you shout. If you're not shouting, it's because you don't believe that God is for you. You don't have a clue that God is in you. You don't have a clue that he's given you his name. You don't have a clue of the riches that are waiting for you if you just accept them and walk in his goodness. What's wrong with us? Why would we not want to do that? Look at verse 33 and 34. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For God, for for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. And God is praying for you right now. I mean, really think about it. Jesus is saying, hey, Lord, there's a whole bunch of people gathering at New Beginnings. Some of them are your children. Be with them, Lord. Strengthen them. Some of them aren't your children yet. And they're hearing about you, Lord, and what you've done for them. Lord, please touch their heart today. Father, please touch their heart so they could become my brother or sister. He's pleading for you. So what are you intimidated by? What do you fear? Are you fearing rejection? Some of you are fearing rejection. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be rejected. And because you don't want to be rejected, you're living all messed up. You're afraid. You're afraid. You're trying to measure up to everybody, trying to do whatever they say, whatever they want, whatever they do, and it's exhausting you. Some of you are are scared to death of death. You're fearful of death. Like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. It's COVID. Oh, my God, I don't want to die. Even before COVID, I don't want to die. I don't know. What if I get cancer? What if I get the flu? What if I get a cold? What if I get, oh, God, help me. You've been paranoid about death. Lord, you said, oh, death, where's your sting? You can't take me down. You, I, this body's going to die. It's going to die. Just know we are going to die. But our spirit's going to keep breathing and soaring in the glory. What is it that you're afraid of? I don't know what you're afraid of. But let me tell you something. We don't need to fear any longer. We don't need to fear any longer. Look at verse 37. No, despite all these things, We are more than conquerors. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. That literally, that more than conquerors, that overwhelming victory, means that we are super conquerors. 
Meaning, let's say you're a boxer, you are the world champion. Let's say you're an MMA fighter, you are the world champion. You are the champion of the champions. You are the conquerors of the conquerors. We are the very, very elite. We're God's elect. And we should fear no evil. We're not intimidated. We don't fear. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Hebrews 13, verse 6 says, so we can say with confidence, say with confidence, we can say this with confidence, that the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Man, we're not going to fear. And then it goes on. We can say, number six, it's possible to live a positive life without limitations. Without limitations. We're limitless. God has removed all limitations. As prisoners of sin, we were limited to do the things we could do. Now we could do all things. The Bible says not all things are profitable, but you could do them. Not all things are going to be good, but you could do them. You're going to suffer the consequences, or you're going to receive the consequences of obeying and doing right. See, you're going to be blessed. You're not going to live with limitations. Look at verse, we're back in Romans 8. Look at verse 32. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Everything. He'll take care of us. He'll take care of us emotionally. He'll take care of us psychologically. He'll take care of us physically. He'll take care of us socially. He'll take care of us spiritually. He'll take care of us in every way, shape, and form. He's going to watch out for you. He's going to provide for you. He's not going to hold back from you. He's going to take care of you. He's not going to withhold anything. Man, in, in, in Psalm 84, verse 11, he says, For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Man, those that are walking upright, those that are walking right, those that are trying to do it according to his word, those that are being led by the Spirit of God, he's not going to withhold anything from them. He's not going to withhold any good thing at all. And the book of James chapter 1 verse 7 says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from God our Father. He sends good gifts because he's a good, good God. He's a good, good Father. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our friend. He is our Redeemer. And he, we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ because he has now made us his brothers and sisters. Jesus said, oh, God, please, I want them as my brothers and sisters. All they have to do is say yes to me. And we become his brothers. Dude, we're brothers with Jesus. We're not just friends. Man, it's, it's enough that we're even friends with him. But Jesus goes, no. Who's that woman? That's my sister. That's my sister. She's a child of God. She's my sister. He's a child of God. He's my brother. Glory. Glory. Talking about a positive message. Man, how can you be negative? The Bible says our cup runneth over. So how can you see the glass as half empty? I see it half full and getting overflowing. It's going to overflow. It's going to be righteous. It's going to be good. 
because he's taken away the condemnation of my life. He's taken away the domination of my life. He's taken away the desperation of my life. He's taken away those things that dominated me and just messed me up. When I miscalculated my life and I was intimidated and limited by people around me, God, forgive me. Help me. Strengthen me. And I'm bringing you to the last thing I want to say. That it is possible to live a positive life without separation. I cannot be separated by God. I, I can't. He's got me in the shallow of his hand. Now, why would anyone want to walk away from God? I don't understand. There's some people that have said, I've given up my faith. I've lost my faith. I don't want my faith. I don't want to have anything to do with God. I don't want to have anything to do with this church. I don't want to do I'm done. God, God's not going to fight you. He says, I got you in the shallow of my hand, but if you want to walk away, I don't know why you would want to walk away, but you know what? Nothing can separate you from me except you can walk away. Look what he says. Jump down to verse 35. 35 to 39. Can anything ever separate us from God's love? Does that mean that we will no longer, he will no longer love us if we have trouble or calamity? So if you have problems in your life, whoop, he doesn't love you anymore. That's not what it says. He says, or you're persecuted or hungry. You're going to be persecuted. It hasn't even started yet. You think it's bad now, it's going to get really bad. Or if you're destitute or in danger, some crazy world out there. Or you're threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. But no, (laughs) despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate me from the love of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears of for today nor the worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing, hear me, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed to Christ uh, in Christ Jesus our Lord. The man, what, what he's saying is that nothing can destroy our relationship with God. No force can come and tear it apart. Only you have the power to totally walk away. Total apostasy where you just say, that's it. I don't believe in God. I don't believe he exists. I don't believe he died for me. I don't believe. And you become an unbeliever again. Why anyone would ever want to do that, I don't understand. That's why I said you keep praying for him and you turn him over to Satan saying, God, I just got to recognize him as an unbeliever because they are literally declaring that they are not a believer and I have to be treating them like it because if I treat them like it, then I can see them really get their life right with you because I don't know if they ever were. All I know is that they aren't now. And, Lord, I want to see them serve you. In the book of Jude, verse 24, there's only one chapter. It says, now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling 
Man, aren't you glad God is able to keep you from falling? He is able to keep you together. He is able to keep you strong. He is able to keep you firm. He's able to keep you where you need to be. Oh, trust in him. Turn to him. Cry out to him. Say, God, I need you. God, I can't turn to anything other than you because, Lord, you hold the words of life. You hold the meaning of life. You are life itself. Lord, in you will I trust. I'm going to put my whole trust in you, Lord. I'm not going to trust in anything or anyone else but you. That's why he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. God has called you. He's been calling you. Some of you keep ignoring the phone call. Some of you, it just, it rings and rings and rings and rings, and you don't answer his call. He keeps knocking and knocking and knocking. He stands at the door and knocks. And you keep saying, you keep on knocking, but you can't come in. And you haven't opened up your heart. You haven't released your mind. And you are totally controlled. You're living in condemnation. You feel like a worm. You feel like you're worthless. And God is saying, don't you understand? You're priceless. I died for you. Don't you understand that all you have to do is live for me? Receive me. And you're free from the condemnation of your sin. You're free. You're completely free. And you're free from the domination of that spirit that tries to take you down and weigh you down and convince you that you're no good for nothing. You'll be free from that desperation of, of hopelessness, that, that not knowing what to do, what am I going to do, how am I going to do it, God help me. And he says, I'll give you peace, peace to carry you through, purpose because you miscalculated your life, and it's a mess. But I could turn all things together good for those that love the Lord. I could turn it around. I could fix it. I can elevate it. I can transform it. I can make it new all over again. All you have to do is trust me. You just have to lean into me. You have to receive me. You're intimidated by people or places or things, and you don't know how to function. You don't know how to get through it. And God is saying, don't you understand how much I love you? Don't you understand how much I care? Don't you understand the riches I have for you? Don't you understand the things that I'm going to pour into you? Don't you understand? Don't you understand? And all he wants you to do is trust. And you won't have to live in that intimidation that you're not worthy. Because we're not worthy, but worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb of God who makes us worthy. He's given us a breastplate of righteousness because it's his righteousness that we put on, not our own. See, we have no limitation. We can do all things through Christ, through his spirit who strengthens us, his spirit who empowers us, his spirit who leads us. He has that for us, and all we have to do is lean on him and trust. And he says, you won't be separated. If you stay in the shallow of my hand, nothing can ever tear you out. And you'll come to understand there's nothing worth 
more than being in the presence of Almighty God. Like we sang that song. Man, in your presence. Man, we, we're free from his shame. We're free from the past. We're free from our sin. We're free. You see, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, he says, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever has Jesus has life. Whoever receives Jesus has life. And whoever does not have God's Son, whoever does not have Jesus, whoever has rejected Jesus does not have life. So you're either in heaven or hell. You're either a saint or a sinner. You're either a follower or a lost person. Why would we want to remain lost? Oh, but it's just that you don't understand what I've done. No, I don't, but I know one who does. His name is Jesus. And he died for your sin so that there would be no condemnation upon your life. But you don't understand, Pastor, the thought pattern I have, and oh, it just plagues me. Well, surrender it to God, and you won't be dominated by that crazy thinking anymore. But you don't understand, Pastor. I, I'm so fearful, and I'm so desperate, and I'm hopeless, and man, he wants to give you a brand new glorified body. I think about that. God, he's going to give us a new body. No more arthritis, no more pain, no more suffering, no more aches and pains, a new body, man, full of life and full of vigor, and oh, Lord, I can't wait for my new body, and I pray to God it's not a fat one. And it's all for us. It's all for us. Nothing to be intimidated about, limited by, or separated from. But you got to have Jesus. Have you received Jesus? Some of you are still like, but what am I going to have to give up? The throne of your heart. You got to get off the throne and you got to let him sit in it. That's all you got to give up. After that, he'll take away what he needs to take away. He'll give you what you need to have. So if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that today, raise your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. I've been running, but today I want to surrender. Anyone here today? Anyone want to surrender? Say, that's me, Pastor. Well, then I say, hallelujah. That means everyone here is a believer, and if not, I pray to God you have another chance. But for those of us that are believers, maybe you've been half-stepping. Maybe you've been falling back into that feeling of condemnation, of domination, of desperation. You've been falling back into that miscalculation and that intimidation and limitation and separation. But today God says, come back to me. Renew your walk. Renew that walk. Would you stand with me as we close? But I want to open the altar because I want you to pray. I want you to take time to cry out to God. I want you to, maybe you have an issue going on in your life. Maybe you have a health issue. Maybe it's something going on in your family that you need to intercede for. 
Maybe something happening that you're saying, God, I desperately need you to intervene in my life. Make your way up and pray. There's people that want to pray with you. But cry out to God right now and just lean into him.
Father, you have spoken to each one of us in a different manner. Lord, some of us are dealing with that condemning spirit that comes back to us over and over. Or that spirit that tries to dominate us, that thinking that destroys us. Father God, that feeling, Father God, of desperation where we feel hopeless, we feel like there's no way out. And Father God, we've miscalculated our life and we have gone in a tailspin, but in Jesus' name, you could lift us back up. Be the lift of our head. Be the lifter of our countenance. Father God, we feel completely intimidated, sometimes by people and sometimes by our own thinking. But Lord, let us be reminded that you have set us free. Father God, I pray that, Lord God, we live limitless life without limits, a life without limits, God, that we can experience the fullness of God where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. Let us be free. Father God, there's some, Lord God, that are so exhausted. They're ready to give up, Lord. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you take away that spirit of defeat, that spirit, Father God, that has just been completely shut down by the devil and you cause it to soar once again. Father God, I pray, Lord, that we know that we're not separated from you. That if God be for us, nothing could be against us. Father, let's leave here as victorious men and women of God. Positive living. Father God, that we be the people where the glass is half full and is going to be filled up to overflowing. And we believe this and pray this in the mighty, mighty name of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord, and all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you, church. We love you. I hope to see you back Wednesday night. God bless you. You're dismissed to go change your home and your city.